0: You guys have your Bibles, I want to look at a passage in Lamentations. It's not exactly a um, a book that is filled with a lot of happiness and, and joy. It's, it's actually exactly what it's titled. It's a lament. Um, and I want to read from Lamentations chapter 3. Verses 22 to 24. It says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. And 2008 has been a difficult year for for many of us. Uh, It's been a difficult year for a lot of people. Uh, sickness has has touched many uh, in our church Uh, heart failure cancer uh, has has affected uh, many uh, not only in our church but in our community in our nation throughout our world of course Uh, some of us have experienced death like uh, my family who uh, experienced the loss of my dad to a brain tumor earlier uh, this year Um, 2008 has not only been a, a year of uh, physical struggle, but for many it's been a year of financial difficulty, a, a, a time of financial struggle like this nation has not seen or experienced in a long time. And some of you have lost homes, uh, some of you have uh, seen your, your income uh, cut drastically or maybe disappear uh, altogether. Most of us have had to make substantial cuts in our budget just to make ends meet. And it's been a difficult year, to say the least. I, I keep hearing and keep reading from people that they just can't wait for 2008 uh, to be over and done with. Some of you said you had a good year, and I'm I'm glad for that. But for many, it's been a, a struggle. But we're not without hope. And, and I, I think that's what I want us to uh, think about tonight as we uh, enter two thousand nine and you know what we don't know what two thousand nine has to offer at all we don't We have no idea things could get better, certainly, but things could get a lot worse. We think about how bad things are and and we think they couldn't get much worse, and the fact is they could get a lot worse and of course, our culture. Uh, is not the only culture to experience difficulty. In fact, in this nation, uh, we're spoiled. We're spoiled rotten, really. And we read about things that are happening in India uh, right now where uh, missionaries are being uh, tortured for their faith. Churches are being uh, ravaged simply for preaching the gospel. Uh, we, we read about uh, families and, and people who are struggling much worse and much uh, more drastically than we are personally. And in the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah is writing a lament during a time of extreme difficulty in that country, Israel. They had experienced absolute devastation at the hands of the Babylonians. Jerusalem, the center of their economy, the center of their spirituality, had been ravaged by these Babylonians, the invading troops under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. They had reduced this city to a pile of rubble, this city that once stood as the very center of this nation's life is now completely destroyed. Leveled to the ground. It had been stripped of everything valuable, of every resource. All of the intelligent and strong people among them were taken as slaves back to Babylon, leaving the city and the nation desperate and devastated. That's what jeremiah is experiencing that's what the nation of israel was experiencing as he writes lamentations and it's no surprise that he writes a lament he writes a lament in an acrostic or alphabetical fashion beginning each chapter with the first letter a the aleph he progresses verse by verse through the hebrew alphabet literally weeping from a to Z. And maybe you feel a little bit like Jeremiah tonight as you think about 2008. Maybe there's a lot of lamenting over the loss of a loved one, over the financial loss that you may have experienced, over sickness and difficulty. But in the midst of Jeremiah's anguish, in the midst of this despair, he triumphantly cries out, Great! is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Not exactly something that you would think you would write in the midst of such difficulty and despair, but it's almost as if Jeremiah, as he's writing this lament, as he's pouring out his heart and talking about all the difficulty, it's almost as if he's reminded of the Lord at that moment, at that time, and he just says, you know what? It isn't about me. It's not about my difficulty. It's not about my struggle. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. In the face of the most difficult thing he and his nation had ever experienced, when everything was literally falling apart, Jeremiah takes his eyes off of his trial, lifts his head out of his difficulty, begins to look past his circumstances to find hope in God. God had not failed Jeremiah in the past, and he would never fail him in the future. And that's a message for us tonight. That no matter what you've experienced in 2008, no matter what difficulty you've gone through, no matter what struggle, remember the faithfulness of the Lord, that he's never let you down in the past. And he'll never let you down in the future. We can look to his faithfulness. And even though you might feel like God has turned his back on you, that that God has given up on you, know that he's faithful to the end. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That he that gave his son, how shall he not freely give us all things? You can look to the greatest sacrifice. God met our greatest need with his greatest sacrifice, and that gives us confidence that he'll meet our lesser needs. And I I want to encourage you guys with that uh, tonight. As Jeremiah focused upon the Lord instead of his situation, I, I want you guys to do that heading into 2009, because it's not going to do you any good to continue to carry around the the discouragement, the despondency, the defeat that maybe you've brought up to this point. You need to leave it there. You need to leave it at the cross and begin anew. And Jeremiah reflects on four attributes of God that I want us to look at tonight. Four attributes that I think, can encourage us as we continue to deal with the hardships of 2008. Because obviously, just because the calendar turns to a new year, it doesn't mean that we get to leave everything behind. I wish that was true. I I wish that when 2009 started, it it would mean just an absolute fresh start. That all of our debt would be left there. That if, you know, you got diagnosed with a disease, that you could leave it in 2008. That if you lost your home, you'd get it back. That if you lost your job, you'd find a new one. You know, I I wish that was all true, but it isn't. Tomorrow is a new year, but in reality, it just is continuing where we left off as we put our head to the pillow tonight. But there are some attributes of God that can give us hope and encouragement in the midst of these things. First of all, Jeremiah reflects upon the mercy of God. In verse 22, he says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. He he remembered, he was reminded of the mercy of God. In fact, this Hebrew word translated mercy here is a comprehensive word that speaks of God's love. His grace, His kindness, His goodness, His truth, as well as His mercy. And and so it's an all-encompassing word of all of the things that God is toward us. He's love. He, He loves us unconditionally. And we can take hope in that. That despite the fact that you've been let down by so many people, maybe even someone who says they love you, And they care about you, and yet they've hurt you. God doesn't do that. We can take hope in his mercy that maybe this year you have made some really poor decisions. Maybe some decisions financially that are really hurting you presently. Some things that you wish you hadn't done now that things have changed so dramatically in the economy. Maybe you made some purchases that you knew you weren't supposed to make that you didn't really pray about. You just wanted it. And you went out and bought it. And then all of a sudden, things went south. And, and now you're trying to pay this debt that you don't have money to pay. Maybe you made some, some terrible decisions um, in, in your personal life, in your, in your relationships, maybe with your kids. Maybe you've been involved in, in, in sinful things that you wish you could take back, but you, you, you've made some, some major sinful choices that are now starting to produce the fruit, the repercussions, and God's mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. What we deserve is his judgment. And you think about what you're experiencing maybe in, in the trials and the difficulties, and you it's our temptation to say, God, I don't deserve this. I, I deserve better than this. And I hear people say that, and I kind of cringe a little bit because what we deserve is hell. What we deserve is God's judgment. We deserve far worse than anything that we may have experienced in 2008. If if you've lost a home, we we never deserved a home to begin with. If you've lost a job, you you never deserved that job to begin with. These are not rights. These are not entitlements. And God will provide for us and God will bless us. But we have to have our perspective changed that we don't deserve those things. They're not our rights. We're not entitled to anything. That we were enemies of God. That we were opposed to God. And and He came and took our place. And anything good that's happening in our life is way more than we deserve. And anything beyond the fact that that we have eternal life beyond this life, that we have hope beyond the grave, that we've been forgiven of our sins, anything beyond that, you guys, is the absolute love and generosity of our Father. In fact, if all Jesus ever did was, was die on the cross and pay for our sins and give us hope, beyond this life, he already did too much. See, that's the perspective that we need to have going into 2009. Otherwise, you won't get beyond your difficulties. And like I said, things could get worse. And how are we going to respond to that? We need to respond the way Jeremiah did as he looked out over Jerusalem and didn't see a lot of hope. I mean, think about that. One day, the, the city is bustling. The temple is filled with worshipers. The economy is doing well. People are buying and selling. And the next day, the entire city is leveled to the ground. And all of your family has been taken away to a foreign country where they don't worship God where there there are no temples or churches to worship in. And yet Jeremiah, in the midst of that, speaks of the mercy, the love, the grace, the goodness of God. He was able to, to see that. Are you able to see the goodness and the grace and the love of God despite your circumstances? Or is God so small to you That he's only those things when your little life is going well. Do you see how myopic and how self-centered that is? We have to look beyond our own small life, our own small existence to the ultimate plan of God and what he's doing and trust him. And and we've got to get beyond looking to God as a means to an end, as if God is this genie in a bottle, and that if he isn't making my life comfortable and cozy, and if I'm not just absolutely thrilled with the way things are going, then God must not be involved. God must have checked out. And see, what you're doing to God is, is you're saying, God, you only exist to do what I want you to do. You're basically a genie that has granted me three wishes. And I've asked for these things and you're not doing them for me. So you must not exist or you must not care. You must have turned your back on me. And see, we've got to go back to the cross, and we have to remind ourselves, and we have to tell Satan, that's impossible. Because he proved his love to me. He proved his mercy. He proved his grace, his goodness, his truth. He proved that at the cross. And that's why the message of the cross, you guys, the gospel never gets old. We have to be reminded of it daily. It's why we're going to have communion tonight. To bring in the new year. Being reminded of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It never gets old. It's what we must look to in this new year. He also reflects on the compassion of God. At the end of verse 22, because his compassions fail not. This speaks of of the bowels, literally the, the womb of a woman is where they they felt like the seed bed of compassion, of empathy, of love for others came from. And we don't think like that, but that was their mentality that's actually literally what it was in the Hebrew, but it's compassion, it's loving kindness. It's the fact that God's heart is toward you. Do you know that? That God is toward you. As Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, that God is for us. That is foundational in your theology. To know that God is for you. And, and we have these jokes that we say, you know, that I better watch out. If I say that, God might strike me. And, and we've got these kinds of Things and maybe it's a joke, but I think there's a little bit more truth to to that perspective about God than maybe we want to admit that God is just ready to squash us, that He's just looking for any opportunity to take us and to just rip us a new one that that's what God is all about, and you guys. He's for you. His compassion never fails. It never ends, as some translations say. Jeremiah 29 11 tells us that, that his thoughts are good toward us, not evil. He's not plotting and planning how he can make us suffer. He doesn't want to destroy us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us new life. He wants to give us hope. As Jeremiah says in that verse, he wants to give us a future and a hope. Jeremiah, the same prophet that wrote Lamentations, understood that, that God was for us. And even when you see, as he saw destruction and devastation know that God is toward you and have faith beyond what you can see right now that's what Jeremiah had to do he had to have faith beyond what he saw right in front of him beyond the rubble beyond the destruction he had to look past that and you guys we have to look past that to know that God is toward us he loves us The Bible says his thoughts toward us are more numerable than the sands of the sea. And they're good thoughts. Thoughts of how he can bless us. How he can work his plan out in our life. And you have to surrender to that. With the difficulties... In the blessings. You have to say, Lord, you give and you take away, but blessed be your name. If we don't do that, we have a small God. We have a God of our own making. He not only looked to his mercy and to his compassion, but he looked to his faithfulness. He says in verse 23 they are new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. The faithfulness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, his forgiveness. It's new every morning. It never runs out. He's faithful. And if if you ever thought about why it is that we need to sleep eight hours a night and, and the way that God has set that up, Because I think, man, my life would be so much more efficient if I could get stuff done 24 hours a day. Maybe even 23. Why is it that we get tired and we have to to recharge? Because certainly God could have made our bodies where that wasn't necessary. And I think it's because he wants us to have a fresh start every day. And each and every day is sort of a microcosm of the new year. That God has given us a fresh start, a new year, a new perspective, a new outlook. His mercies are new every morning. And, and you know what that's like when you, when you go to bed and there's just something heavy on your heart and, and you can't hardly sleep and you're bummed out or you feel guilty about something. And you wake up and it's, it's like it's, it's kind of gone. And you have a fresh start and a new outlook on things. You guys, that's what I, I hope you can have in 2009 is a fresh start, a new beginning, a new opportunity to draw close to the Lord, to serve the Lord, to, to become more intimately acquainted with God, to see his mercy and his compassion and his faithfulness that they're new Every morning. And the last thing that Jeremiah reflects upon is the inheritance that God has for us. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. That that word, portion, it speaks of our inheritance. David speaks about it. In Psalm 73, he says, My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Maybe you feel like your heart is failing. You just want to give up. Your flesh is failing. Maybe, maybe literally, your body's just falling apart. But I think the writer there was, was speaking more figuratively that he just wanted to quit. He was tired. And and I don't know about you, but I I get that way sometimes. I just want to quit. Say, you know what? I'm not not helping anybody. I'm not affecting anybody's lives. Nobody's paying attention to what I have to say anyway. I, I might as well just quit. This is a waste of my time. And I'm sure you feel that way as well. Where your flesh and your heart is failing. But God is the strength of our hearts. And our portion or our inheritance forever. What are you looking to for your inheritance? What are you looking to beyond your present circumstances? Because isn't that kind of what an inheritance is? It's like, man, I'm absolutely broke and destitute, but there's this inheritance that I'm going to get. And and you're looking forward to that. That's what Jeremiah is speaking of, but not monetarily. Not an inheritance that you're going to receive when you retire. Not your 401k that for many is probably gone or almost gone. That's not the kind of inheritance that he's talking about. He's talking about the inheritance that we're going to receive of all of the blessings and all of the attributes and all of the goodness of God. That that should be our portion. That should be our sustenance. And and we're going to receive that inheritance. As we step out of this life and all of its emptiness... And we step into the next life in all of its fullness. It's our portion forever. The Bible says that we have eternal life. And unfortunately, for too many of us, we think that that's going to to start after we die. You guys, he wants us to have eternal life starting now. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It starts now. He wants you to have abundant life. He wants you to have eternal life. Not sometime in the future, but now. He's given that to you. Well, how can I have that when my circumstances are so terrible? Because you need to be like Jeremiah and get your eyes off of your circumstances and put them on to Jesus. Take your eyes off of your small life and put them on the Lord and, and all of His majesty and His wonder And be amazed with him. Sometimes we we take our life too seriously. And we get caught up in in our own world. And and sometimes we need to just look up into the the stars. We, We need to look out at the mountains. And go, you know what, Lord, I'm pretty small. It's good to be reminded of that. It's good for me to be reminded of that. Lord, I'm no big deal. For you to take care of me is not a struggle for you. You've got billions of people and other things to coordinate and to work out all at the same time, and you've been doing a fantastic job. And who am I to think that because my little world all of a sudden had a a speed bump, that God, you're not on your throne anymore. Guys, I hope for 2009 that that we look beyond ourself, that, that we realize how little we are and how big God is. Because when we do that, and we see his mercy and his compassion and his faithfulness, And the inheritance that we have, we can say with Jeremiah at the end of verse 24, therefore I hope in him. That's what we have, is hope. He's given us hope. In light of reflecting upon the attributes that he does here, he finds hope, and you will too. And ultimately, you guys, we have hope in the cross. You may not have a a whole lot of positive things going on right now. Physically, financially, relationally, occupationally. you, You may not have a lot of positive things. And like I said, 2009 may even be worse. We don't know what it has for us. But we do know this, that the truth of who God is... And how he looks at you. And the truth of the cross. And the message of the gospel. It doesn't change. Your circumstances change. They get better. They get worse. They're up and down. And let's face it. Physically, we might be able to stave off some of these things. And and maybe we'll get some medicine and help us feel better. Or maybe we'll have a surgery. To, to get us by for a, another decade or two. But ultimately, we're all going to die. Ultimately, one thing or another is going to take us out. And so we may as well embrace, whatever our age, that we're dying. You know what? You, you, you may have lost a lot of money this year. You may have lost a job. But guess what? That money was going to run out anyway. It wasn't going to last forever. God said, I'll provide for you. And so he's going to provide for you in a different way than you anticipated. It wasn't going to last forever anyway. And we have hope in Jesus. We have hope in the cross. All those other things change. They fluctuate. It's up and down. But the gospel never changes and so as the band comes back up, you guys, we're going to have a great time of worship. And I'm just going to invite you to come and, and to take a, a cup, take a cracker, return to your seat, and, and just partake as a family. If you're here by yourself, just partake by yourself. And, and just be doing a couple things as, as we partake together. be asking God to search your heart, to say, Lord, is there anything that I need to deal with in my life? Maybe you already know what it is. Maybe it's some of those big sins that I talked about tonight. Maybe you've made some some huge mistakes, some some terrible decisions. Maybe you've allowed your flesh to control your life and, and you need to get before the Lord and thank him for the blood Thank him for his sacrifice and receive that forgiveness. Maybe you aren't absolutely cognizant of any sin, but you need to ask God to reveal things to you. Maybe there's some some pride, some unforgiveness, some bitterness, some anger in your heart that God wants to deal with tonight. So I want you to ask the Lord to search your heart. I also want you to, to just think about the, the new year and, And the fact that although things may not be looking that great, that you can take hope in the cross and in what Jesus did for you and how he looks at you and his love for you. And I want you to take hope in that. As you hold the cup and you hold the cracker, I want you to take hope in those things. Why don't we stand together? And as I said here in the next few minutes, just come forward and, and, and partake as a family or as an individual uh, on, your, on your own. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for a new year, a new beginning, a new hope. And Lord, I, I pray that we would recognize that your faithfulness is new every morning. God, I pray that 2009 would be a year that we draw closer to you than ever before. God, bless each one. Lord, may you be glorified and worshipped. God, may we be able to get out of ourselves and out of our own little world and out of our difficulty and truly worship you because you're worthy of it tonight, Lord. Despite our difficulties, as Jeremiah was able to worship you, God, as Paul and Silas were able to worship you in that Philippian jail after being beaten, Lord, may we be worshipers of you tonight despite our circumstances, God. We love you. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon, 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.